looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Past the Post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. This is Past the Post for Sunday, the 4th of December. Thanks for your company. Over the next hour, we go to... Make a real deep dive into the meeting at Dooman yesterday. Of course, it's the road to the Magic Millions leg of the Summer Carnival. So the BRC are hosting six feature meetings right through December. Then, of course, we turn our attention to Aquas Park, Gold Coast. Nathan Exelby joins me right through the summer. Uh, good morning, firstly. It was, morning, a, David. it was a great day of racing yesterday, but I, I may mention in the broadcast during the afternoon, great atmosphere. Yeah, uh, it felt like it, didn't it? Good numbers. But also a, a different vibe, and, and that would largely be due to the big country contingent, whether they had horses racing or they came along to watch their friends' horses racing. It always has a good feel, and it's, it's lost nothing over the years. No, that's right. I think Racing Queensland had a function on Friday night for the, all the, the country horses, and, and again there at Doombin yesterday they had a big portion of the, the public grandstand booked out and... Um, Everyone I spoke to was up there, so they had a terrific time. So you're exactly right. It was a really good atmosphere at Doombin yesterday. Certainly was. And as we said, we'll discuss that many in detail. A lot to talk about as we head week by week towards the Magic Millions Carnival. But a lot of good racing in its own right coming up at the BRC. And, of course, this weekend, don't forget, it's a double header. We've got the Brisbane Handicap at Doombin on Friday. That's a twilight meeting. So I'm sure we'll have... Uh, an above-average midweek attendance with lots of Christmas parties and the like. And, of course, then we go to Eagle Farm. We're back at the farm on Saturday for a host of listed races. We'll talk about that. Of course, it was Packenham Cup Day yesterday. That comes up later in the program. But first up, let's turn our attention to Group 1 Racing. It was the third day of the uh, Perth Summer Carnival. The Northern League, Group 1, was the feature. And Amelia's Jewel, this outstanding three-year-old filly, was the $2.90 favourite. Now round the outside, McDonald had to sell the farm and take off a fair way out. He's off and he's around them, four and five deep, followed by Tricks of the Trade, Alaskan God. Captain Chaos God has chosen. It's Ironclad straightening for home, though. Ironclad little length and a half on the outside. Bustler comes at it, search and rocks behind those. Amelia's Jewel picking away through. Cascadians coming down the outside. Amelia's Jewel out after Ironclad. Amelia's Jewel hits the front. And Walshie's West Aussie Wonder Philly has won the North. Amelia's Jewel scored from Ironclad or Cascadian. Behind them, close up on the inside, Steinem. Bustler, Alaskan God, Tricks of the Drain has run on with Dom to shoot. In behind them came Bad Wolf, Notorious One. God has chosen. Treasured Star didn't fire. Star trade, Captain Chaos. And amongst the last home is Search and Rocks. Well, outstanding might be actually underselling her a little bit. Um, she's a great prospect. She's only suffered defeat once in a seven-start career. And it's been a career that's all spanned over this year. She, she had a brilliant juvenile term, winning three of uh, or three races. Of course, the Caracatta was the the Group Two. She went for a break, and she's just progressed well up in class, up in distance, and just keeps achieving. Yeah, a lot of people had her pegged as Australia's best two-year-old last season. Mm. Some of the the ratings guys, and um, you know, that was at twelve hundred meters, and here she is extending to eighteen hundred meters now. So, she's lived up to everything that uh, was expected of her after what she did as two. Trained by Simon Miller, his first Group One. Peter Walsh, who races and bred Amelia's Jewel, uh, his first Group One. I think Pat, maybe Pat Carberry's for fifth or sixth. So where does she stand now? What do we look towards with her, do you think? think um, the All-Star Mile was mentioned mm. in dispatches. They've already won an All-Star Mile, the WA t- team, haven't they? Um, so that's 
a logical one, and you'd think the way she goes long term, they'd look at the Cox plates, wouldn't they? That's yeah. logical. Well, the, the world's their oyster. I mean, you mentioned an all star mile. You talk about a Cox plate. Of course, uh, she's still a three year old. Uh, could she extend to being an Oaks type? Yeah, I guess it's just a matter of whether they want her to be an Oaks type. Well, I guess when you've got $5 million there for an all star mile, and then. Do you then go for a look at Doncaster at $3 million or, or, or try for an ATC Oaks, which is you know, probably a third of the prize money? So um, it's a nice position to be in, David, anyway. One, the one feature about her is she's got a great turn of speed. Now, that race yesterday, the Northerly, they didn't run it at any breakneck speed, if you look at the overall time, 150.81. Mm. The sprint home was 34.57, so they haven't gone hard early. And she was probably a bit better than midfield, but uh, she can pick up very quickly when she does, so... She won the race. Cascadian was was good with Ironclad, who was leading, splitting them. Yeah, Ironclad at big odds, wasn't it? So, um, and Stein has been around a little. So, I guess you can, if you want to mark it more harshly, sort of say what she beaten there. But the way she's done it um, is the exciting part. Of course, the carnival extends out this this year with uh, the race, the Gold Rush race coming up next week. And of course, as we heard during the week, that uh, Rob Heathcote pulled the pin on on Rothfire. Yeah, and he had a long campaign dating back to September, so uh, gives him a good rest now and, and hopefully come back better next time around. And I guess everyone's uh, waiting on Valana for that that rich race next week, um, just to make sure everything is in order with him. Hundred percent. Just having a look at that Gold Rush market before we move off Perth, as we said next Saturday, and Valada you're mentioning at four dollars, Kiss on All Four Cheeks at five dollars, Amelia's Jewelers there at seven, Kementari at seven, Elite Street Ironclad at eleven dollars. So a bit to work with that market over the next few days. So that was Perth. Let's move now to Doomben, and as we said, the third day of the Queensland Racing Summer Carnival. We'll go firstly to the the Group Three race, the Black Type George Moore. Garibaldi was the winner, he was the favourite, and he was heavily backed really late in betting. Goals were with something in the locker. Leads from Contemptuous trying hard, then Garibaldi. Axe and Samut too far back. Goldsborough. Contemptuous Garibaldi. Big Garibaldi hitting top gear. He goes for home. Axe after him, but too late, brother. Garibaldi's day to day. Garibaldi gives Gollan his fifth. George Moore beats Contemptuous. Axe and possibly near the rail. Smart medial for fourth. Goldsborough not far away. They're followed then by Horned. Samut never got into it. Then Miss Divine M. Zing along. And Anime pulling up last in one. 110.7. Yes, Tony Gollan, the trainer of Garibaldi, is our first guest this morning. A bit to talk about, um, and we appreciate his time. Tony, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Well, Garibaldi yesterday, as I said just before listening back to the replay, was heavily back. I made a comment yesterday morning, and I made it after the race as well, when I said I felt he turned a corner, and, and what I mean was probably more personal experience, that uh, not a big corner to turn, but... He's a horse down. The way he's been racing his last four or five runs, I've got more trust in him now, more confidence. He's racing really well. Yeah, I think that comment was made a couple of times post-race yesterday. I think Andoris made, made a similar similar comment. I'd say a lot of us, you know, we've backed him over the time where he might have been slow out or he'd over-raced or we thought he was going to get 1,400, et cetera, et cetera. And he left the punters a little bit disappointed at times, but he's a really reliable horse now. We've got him in a pretty good pattern and keep him with a six furlong and you know, Spacey's runs you know, never never closer than 21 days now, and he's a much happier horse. He's a mature horse now, which which also, you know, paying dividends. He steps now, puts himself in a winning position, and he's got a great turn of foot, which he's always, you know, possessed that turn of foot when things pan out. But he's doing it now on a consistent basis. 
He's a dual stakes winner now. It was, but it was two summers ago where we thought he would get to the stakes level. Even as a two-year-old, he was placed at Group 2. But when he was winning those restricted races by big margins, we sort of all expected it to happen pretty quickly. I mean, he was being spoken of a Stradbroke horse at that time. Is it just more maturity now, Tony? Yeah, I think so, mate. He was an early favourite for a Stradbroke, actually. Yeah. And that was all off. off I think he was on a five in a row or four in a row or something. And he was very, very dominant. But if you go back to those races he was winning, they were all spaced now. They were all at six furlongs. So, yeah. you know, I guess the riding was on the wall, but of course we always try and stretch horses out a little bit further sometimes, and, and lot, often, you know, to our detriment, you know, trying to get the 1400s and, and possibly a mile, and we know that he, he's quite good at this distance, but he's terrific now, we keep him at six, like I said, space his runs, and he was always destined to be a stakes horse, it was just a matter of when, and making sure we got it right, but, you know, time helps all horses, doesn't it, maturity, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing if we allow him to mature, mature, mature rightly. I'm always fascinated in, in that point you make about a horse's well-being, a horse's nature and the like. Uh, but he did his one eight races, two at a thousand and six at twelve hundred. He ran in the Lightning uh, behind like, Boom Nova in June. Basically, he hasn't had a a, a break. He's just had had his run space. So, obviously, the way you're training him, it's certainly re- he's certainly responding to it. Yeah, that's right. Like I think we don't go to the well, you know, every fortnight. I mean, we. We're hell-bent in Australia a lot of the time to, to try and be too conventional, which is the Australian way. We give them you know, longer spells and bring them up, and then we want to just go fortnight, 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 where I think if we adapt a, a different style sometimes to these horses, you can actually get a longer preparation out of them and actually get better better performances out of them. That's Garibaldi's thing. And once they get up you know, where their ratings up and open company, you, you are restricted in the races that you can run in. Mm. So it does make it a little bit easier, but, easier, but you just got to be a little bit more patient with your horse. So what does his summer look like uh, from this point on? Yeah, I said yesterday, it does get a bit tricky from here. And I've won this race a few times now, the George Moore, and it always intrigues me that we have the Group 3 and we have to go back to listers. <laughs> it makes life a little bit harder if they stay at the sixth furlong because you, you come back a ratings grade, but you've got to carry more weight. And you already had the 58 yesterday. Mm. So I think the logical task, logical assignment would be three weeks of listed. 1200 um it's just with the weight penalty and you know what sort of come what nominates that race as to whether we, we go there or not yeah. i think you're in the same predicament with zoo style last year weren't you <laughs> yeah i've been in the same predicament a few times with these horses it's they get to that group three and they win it and obviously you penalize for that and then it's not a bad penalty to have because you get the prize money mm. you get back a grade so therefore you have to carry that, is, that bit more of a penalty of weight but i guess it depends on what nominates that list of grades it's just i just find that that grading of that that grade race comes a bit of a funny spot in the carnival. Yeah, maybe they could swap it around. Of course, uh, he's now earned over half a million dollars. Ryan Maloney got suspended. He just shifted in after the line and uh, um, onto uh, Contemptuous, who then go, uh, um, goals were clipped to teal. So he's suspended until, uh, when is it, the 22nd? I imagine he's appealing. Yeah, that's, that's I think it's intentionally at least to probably appeal it. It was, it was a funny one, wasn't it? A little fist pump there. Yeah. And unfortunately, there was shift generally past the line. Uh, but I guess that's the duty of care they have to have for, for one another. Just very unfortunate for Ryan because you can see the wind meant a lot to him and mm. just the way the way it panned out. And I think you know he's riding in great great form at the moment, Ryan. I would say he'd be the first to admit within this calendar year he had been a little bit up and down. Mostly that's weight related, but he's really got his eye on the on the ball at the moment and he's he's seeing things really well. And that was evident by his ride on on Garibaldi. He, he, I never had one nervous moment on that horse at all yesterday and he's riding terrifically. Mm. He's not a Magic Millions horse but skirt the law this filly that uh, bolted in the two-year-old is. Uh, happy with the way she's coming along? <laughs> it would be hard not to be, wouldn't it, really? <laughs> she's doing everything right. And 
you know, most of our two-year-olds, all of our horses, really, they improved for a run, and it was evident from her yesterday. Like, she went into the first up run on, on, on quite a firm doom and surface with all the talk was being about the short price favourite in the race of Robert Heathcote's, and she was dominant that day. And I think people took more into the fact that the favourite got beat than actually her winning. And yesterday, she was that short price favourite, you know, drawn a little bit sticky, drawn out a little bit in the small field, but it was pretty easy to see once in gates open where she was going to be. She's put herself in a position. She's not a lead at all cost filly either. She's just quicker than what she's against at the moment. She settles well enough, and I always was confident we'd get that strong 1,200, which is a big bonus in these early two-year-old races because you see a lot of these horses dominant at 1,000, etc. They're getting to the 1,200s a whole lot of ball game. But she handled that well. She mightn't have beat a lot yesterday, but she's doing it what good two-year-olds do. They do it with a margin. They do it with ease, and that's what she's doing at the moment. Yeah, she uh, she beat them up comfortably and um, time nothing flash, but 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 fair to say to balance that out, Ryan did ease her down uh, over the last fifty minutes yeah, or so. Yeah, I, I think the time's indicative of um, of the sort of pressure in the race yesterday. Um, we saw first up when she won; her actual time was comparable to the older horses in the class three that day. So she was one of the few two-year-olds that's rated close to the older horses since she's ran. But yesterday, you could see the time wasn't going to be flash. I think you give her two flicks in the right hand and, and she sort of made the pressure as well in the race so you'd always you sort of always had a sense that it wasn't going to be a fast overall time with nothing pushed her it's a question the question begs then with skirt the law how do you compare her to your winner last week at the gold coast mighty yeah they're quite funny aren't they? these two do a lot of work together these two fillies and i'd probably had mighty ahead of her but what you'd see with these two roles is just the improvement how they keep going on and it's hard to say at the moment, because Skirt the Law's, you know, coming and coming along now in leaps and leaps and bounds, and Mighty's had a week out at Embrook now, and she comes back in tomorrow, and she'll head towards the Bruce McLaughlin. So it'll be interesting to see the the improvement in her, and I suggest there will be some as well. That Gold Coast race, I thought she done enough to win. That's all she done. Mm. Uh, I really think she felt the ground that day. It was a very firm track down there, and I'd love to see Mighty on a track like we got yesterday at Doom, and that was a probably raced like a five all day. Really, I'd be disregarding that seven early in the meeting. Um, it was a beautiful surface. And if I could run her on a track like that, you'd possibly see something very similar. What does Skirt the Law do now between now and Magic Millions? No, she'll probably have a week out at Embrook now, which is pretty well routine for most of our horses. And then we'll get her back in. I, I doubt I'd run her again now. I'd, I, I could go the week before if I wanted and just follow that seven-day backup routine, which has worked well for, for many Millions winners. And if I think she's doing too well, that's that may be what I do. But if not, I'll just follow a similar formula followed with other horses and trial them. You know, 10 days out, and they normally have Gold Coast course proper trials down there on that Tuesday, the week prior. Yep. Um, but that's, that's more than likely where she'd go now, I'd say. As, as our Premier Trader, I'm interested in your comments on, on this question. It's been a talking point over the last few weeks about the, the small two-year-old <laughs> fields. Do, do you have any reason why it's like that? No, not really. I, do. I think there's a bit too much to be made of it, personally. I think there's been plenty of years where we've had small... Small two-year-olds. I don't think it's a big, a big thing. It's so often to do with just what the what the trainers have, and you know people are probably being a little more patient with their horses. You know, uh, Les has his model where they really want to get these young horses up and running. But let's face it, how many horses are really ready to race before Christmas? Like I might have say sixty or seventy, you know, two-year-olds in the stable, and I'm probably going to only have two or three runners before Christmas. And that's not because I don't want to run them; it's just they're not ready to run. And I think a lot of trainers are in that same boat. I, I think it's just more the animal we're dealing with, and these things are what they are, and these early, these, you know, these late spring racing, early summer, we're normally getting, you know, windy, firm tracks, you know, hot weather, windy days, so we're getting quite firm tracks, and 
horses get to the jump outs and that's all trials and that's probably the end of them a lot of the time. So I think it's just more the cattle we're dealing with than anything else and could be a whole different season next year. So is it? Have you changed your training style over the the past decade, and and is it also maybe the the changing of the breed toning? Yeah, I think so, mate. Oh, we always change our training style. I mean, we always have a similar style we want to train, but hopefully we're tweaking things and getting better. If I wasn't getting any better over the last decade, I'd probably need to be doing something else. So I think I'm getting better. Um, the breed, yeah, it's probably a bit to be made in that. Um, you know, our horse is genuinely ready to, to get up and get going. I don't think we've seen a, a really a gun two-year-old anywhere this year in Australia is what we were previously used to seeing. I think there's no doubt the breed's a little bit softer at times now. Mm. Um, they go faster, but they're far more fragile yeah. than what they used to be 20 years ago and 10 years ago. So, yeah, I think it is probably a little bit of both, to be honest. But our trainers have got to show a lot of care to their animals and don't want to put them in a situation if they're not ready to go to the races. And that's probably just what we're seeing at the moment, just to... These are the two-year-olds that are there ready to race and they're the ones that are reaping the rewards. Um, you know, and there's going to be a whole bunch more of them come along after Christmas. So, look, it is what it is. And just on those uh, on those figures, uh, we've had 12 two- metropolitan two-year-old races this season, a total of 92 runners. Last year, 2021, 11 two-year-old races. We missed a meeting at the Gold Coast, 91 runners. So the facts tell you that you're, what you're saying is right, Tony. There's not much difference year to year. It's just this year the Bashani presence has been a bit greater uh, earlier in the season than what it is now. I think they had a few more two-year-olds this year, maybe they had previous years, and mm. there was a bit made out of that one race, of course, there, you know, a little while back. We probably haven't had, you know, there were times in other years where a few Southerners were just bringing a few two-year-olds up earlier just to try and get that money to get for the magic means, but yeah, they might be the same boat down there. They just mightn't have a lot of those pre-Christmas two-year-olds up and ready to go yet. It's a big trip for them, putting them on the flight and send them 13 hours north into hot weather and firm tracks. So yeah, I think trainers are just, are just careful with their animals. Um, you know, horses aren't cheap. Uh, they're, they're, they're expensive at the moment, horses. And I think when we buy one, we, we look at them with a you know a four- or five-year view. We want to look after these horses and get the maximum return over the time we have them. So um, that, that's what I think is more to it. But I think, honestly, I've been reading a lot about this, and Ben Dorries is probably listening over the last... You know, three or four, five weeks, but I don't think the stats are all that different to previous years. No, well, it's been brought out there. Um, this weekend, Tony, a couple of doubleheader, Doombin Friday, Eagle Farm Saturday, the Gateway. It's uh, got a number of runners going to the Gateway, I believe. Yeah, three or four runners head towards the Gateway at this stage, and probably out of out of mind, I think Antino is probably the exciting one. He's the one with, you know, doesn't really have a have a ceiling on him, or I'm nowhere near that ceiling. I don't know how good this source is. Only had a couple of runs for our stable, and his bloody nice horse gives you a good feel. He's got a that Eagle Farm now. He's never ticked that box, and 1400. Well, that's no no issue. We saw him at 1350 at Doom, and I suggest he get further. So he's pretty exciting. This race holds a bit more significance now after the fantastic prize money news this week. And you know, one part of that news was a three million dollar Stradbroke, and uh, you know that race. It's our best race. It's our state's best race, and. It now sits, you know, amongst Australia's best race with that $3 million. So I think it's a fantastic uh, announcement for the sport. Just a, a tick with Garibaldi, a tick with Skirt the Law, so everything was hunky-dory there. A frustrating result in, in the, the Pirata plate. Spiritualised kick for home in the straight. Then lubrication got to him, and all of a sudden, Counter Beans jumped out of the ground. It had to be second and third. But both horses ran really well, particularly, I thought, Counter Beans. He, he showed yesterday, ridden cold. He's got a great turn of speed. Yeah, I probably always felt that's a better way to ride him. We've been thinking around his gear since I've got him, and obviously come with a little bit of uh, hype about him. I mean, he won a race at Grafton, I think he's still starting a race, and they've always got a bit 
everyone got a bit excited about him. You can see why. He's a nice little horse, but fling his tongue ties the right gear for him. He was frustrating the other day at Doom, wasn't he? Just all he saw was backside. And yesterday, you know, swap him and Lubrication's run around. I think this horse wins comfortably. So he's racing really well. He loves it. It's a little bit of, little bit of dough in the track too, what we had yesterday. That's perfect for him. Uh, Spiritualised, I thought he was very good. Uh, so it's just a shame he's got to go. Him and Golden Boom have probably got to clash in a fortnight because they're, they're both bloody nice horses. And, you know, the, the improvement the Spiritualised is going to take out of that run yesterday will be there to be seen. His next his next one and two and three runs, he gets better into a preparation. He's a typical cult. He's a heavy bloke. And the more I do with him, the better he goes. So if anyone was on him yesterday, I, I certainly wouldn't be dropping off him over the summer. You'll see huge improvement from him. Now, Count de Beans isn't a magic millions horse, is he? No, he's not, um, and I will probably steer away from, from Eagle Farm with him. I just don't feel it's a surface for him, and he's been up a while, so I can probably space him a little bit, and he's only a, he's only a yeah, athletic little horse. He's not one that needs to be hammered out every two weeks, and I think an easy week now, and then look to the Vaux Rogue for him, 13.50, okay. back around Doom, and it'll be ideal. It's all shabby. Well, I was looking yesterday. You, you got to the half-century 50 Metropolitan winners yesterday, and considering we're only a third of the way through the, the, the season... Um, uh, those figures are pretty good. Yeah, well, you reminded me last year, David. I, <laughs> I don't bring it up. Low there for a while, and <laughs> you know, I was under a bit of pressure to hold me hold me <laughs> spot on top up here. And look, it is—it's bloody competitive racing in, in Brisbane and in Queensland, or everywhere in Australia, really. But the metropolitan areas everywhere is tough. And now the stable's going really well. We've hit the ground running nicely this season. We we righted a few wrongs from last year, and you know, we're, we're in a really good place. But you know, we're like we don't want to rest on our on our laurels. We've got a long season to go, and. Lot, lot, the, lot to play out yet, even this summer. But no, stable's so going particularly well. I'm very proud of our team. And just one more question: Mass Destruction is he in the King of the Mountain? Yeah, he is actually. Yeah, he's got a slot in the King of the Mountain. You'll see him have a jump out Tuesday and resume in a thousand meter race at Eagle Farm just to knock some cobwebs out of him. And King of the Mountain second up. That's his grand final. So looking forward to that. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Have a great Sunday. Tony Gollan joining us. Good to talk to him, isn't he? He gives you a lot of information. So we spent a bit of time with him, but I think it was time well spent because we did deep dive into, into the stable and the results yesterday. Yeah, that's right. And he's always very he's a deep thinker about a lot of issues in racing as well. And um, yeah, nice comments around the, the Stradbroke that, that that is that, that flagship race now. Yeah, exactly right. So um, Garibaldi um, at Falvalon, uh on the 24th, looks mm. uh, will, will be his target, so that that's A-OK. Would he be sort of horse? I, obviously, he's not eligible for it. I was going to say King of the Mountain, but he's not even eligible for it. So, no. um, so Mass Destruction's the, the King of the Mountain horse, and uh, so Spiritualized will go against Golden Boom with Steady Ready as well. That is shaping now. It already yeah. was, but with Spiritualized's presence... And maybe a visitor or two for, from from the south. They want to be good to beat the locals. Mm, it's a really good race, isn't it? So um, Archer Park with two of those, don't they? Mm. So um, you, you just can't. In, in the end, you just can't split good horses forever, can you? Hundred percent. Let's go to the last race. This was the other black type race yesterday. The listed mode, and a lot of money was on Chinny Boom. Bookmakers did change their arm to a degree, but in the end, she was a rock solid favourite. In the home straight, Chinny Boom gets into the clear, but Exo Lady has got a kick. Stroll comes after it, Gabley. Chinny Boom two away third, big ridden along, trying to respond. Exo Lady and Stroll in front. Chinny Boom's making heavy weather of it, but she's starting to come now. Stroll reached the lead. Chinny Boom's going to put in a dive. Stroll in front. Chinny Boom is charging. Oh, she might have got up. 
Photo finish of the mode. Chitty Boom has dived. Did she get there from Stroll and Sunshine in Paris? Rolling home for third. Then a Katarina. Honky Tonk Diva, Yellow Exo Lady, Tequila Dancer, Alamira Mink Star, then Saweetie, followed by Sweet Fantasy, Russian Warrior, Hoot and Holler, last over the line. Photo finish in 110.52. Yes, um, I thought she might have got there. I'm not in the best position, but I thought she might have got there, but the judge doesn't lie, and Stroll prevailed by a short half head. Steve O'Day joins us this morning, part of the training partnership with Matt Hoisted. It was a desperate finish, uh, Steve, but you hung on. Yeah, look, it was definitely one of those things we held our breath uh, as they hit the line kind of thing. But, um, yeah, look, once they put the, uh, the slow-mo of the finish up, obviously she had her nose down. And, um, look, it was good to see her tough it right out to the line like that. Well, I know your training, your, your co-trainer thought that she'd prevailed, so it was relief when that, that number did go into the frame. Um, is it true to say this was the most expensive horse to come into your stable when she was purchased as a yearling, Steve? Yeah, look, absolutely. Yeah, as a yearling purchase, definitely she's uh, she's been our most expensive. So, um, look, I recall um, that year that we purchased her, I was um, I was pretty bullish about about her. She was uh, Jamie and I were only just talking. Jamie from Proven Thoroughbreds were only just talking about her again this morning, and he even said, "I can't recall you being as bullish about <laughs> a yearling as much as as you were for her." And we'd sort of set a price on on her at sort of four hundred, and uh, and she went over that and. When she actually went through the ring, I had my back to Jamie and I was facing Matt and I was sitting at a table when she was going through the ring and she was knocked down to full, at full 50 and I said to Matty, is that ass? And he said, yeah. And I said, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, she's definitely come with a little bit of pressure, that's for sure. And, um, yeah, no, it's good to uh, to be able to repay and, and get a couple of stakes winners with her. Well, she's, um, she's a cheap filly now, dual stakes winner by Snitzel. Yeah, exactly right. Looks, uh, there's a lot of money to be paying for her, but she's obviously a well, well-related filly and a, and a good sort to boot. So, um, yeah, look, obviously, uh, you know, there's plenty of money being thrown around um, in breeding circles at the moment. And look, she's a filly that's definitely going to um, have good value uh, once her racing career is finished. You produced her three weeks ago, first up at Durban. The market didn't like her that day. She got right out in the bedding. So, was, was she? Uh, you know, um, did you go to that race knowing that she was probably underdone for that race? Yeah, look, she definitely was a bit soft. I mean, our original plan with her was to go to the Sunshine Coast. There was a, a three-year-old over a mm. thousand metres, and you know, just on our last trial, we just thought the thousand metres was going to be way too short, and just liked the way that it, it worked out for her to to to, to trial on that Tuesday and, and end up running her on the Saturday in that twelve hundred. Where even though she was a little bit soft, it allowed her to have three weeks between runs, staying at the twelve hundred in the mode. Um, look, she's. Not an overly robust filly, and, and she's definitely one of those horses that probably doesn't want over-racing too much. So, you know, just fit it in really well to be able to then give her the three weeks to go into that mode second up and, and keep a little bit of freshness in her legs. So with that in mind, what path do you now plot to get to a Magic Millions 1400? Yeah, look, as Matt obviously mentioned yesterday, she'll go a month between runs down to the Bow Road, obviously 13.50 at Doomben. Yep. Um, look, that works out perfect for her. I think she's already probably looking to, to get out to that sort of trip now anyway and then she'll just have the two weeks into the uh into the magic man's guineas fair enough well that was a, a good result yesterday with stroll on the last tell us about shooting for gold we're ready to see him return and you took him to the trials at deegan um i think it was last tuesday yep yeah and no, i look he trolled up super um at deegan on tuesday just probably trolled a little bit fresh obviously uh you know don't see that sort of 
you know, race day sort of speed and trials, and he found himself in front. Just wanted to, to, to uh, you know, go a little bit fresh uh, in the first sort of furlong or so in that trial, but then sort of settle into a nice groove and, and look, certainly won that trial with plenty in hand. He had his ears pricked and uh, and uh, and gone to the line, as I say, with, with plenty left. He uh, only had a, a relatively short break after Melbourne. Um, he had about a month off, so... But, you know, he didn't didn't have a big spell. Only the one trial going to this run next week. Um, but look, that's certainly enough for him. Enough for him, and and he's been working up super at home. Must have been pleased. We looked at the George Moore contemptuous. His his market moves were similar to what happened to a stroll at the Gold Coast. He was sort of unwanted in betting there yesterday, but he's run really well first up. Yeah, look, he was super. Look, he, he was obviously uh, drawn a nice gate and was afforded a, a beautiful run in the race, sort of you know third defence. And uh, you know when that uh, horse set outside the leader. Haunted just just wanted to, to, to roll out around the turn. You know, he was obviously able to sort of work off the fence then and, and work into the clear. Um, you know, a hard fit horse beating um, beating fair and square there yesterday. But look, he's a horse that's definitely going to take good improvement off that. He's you know, he's a horse that sort of found himself probably in that grade of race. You know, relatively quickly, really. Even though he's an older horse, he's he's you know hasn't been um, over raced by any stretch of the imagination. It's you know, and even, uh, you know, you look back at his two previous wins and, you know, his first win in Open Company and, and Classics before that with Jaden's claim, he was actually getting in under the minimum. So, you know, he's gone to stakes raid with, and afforded no favours, sort of, you know, it's not like he's gone there and got weight relief or anything like that. So, yeah, look, while it wasn't a, a um, you know, the best George Moorefield we've probably ever seen, he's uh, he's certainly acquitted himself really well. He's a very genuine horse and uh, and super consistent. He's a six-year-old. He's only had, what, 14 starts, and he only had well, two runs prior to yesterday. He had a, a win at Eagle Farm in March, and then we saw him in the Lightning in June. Does he have issues, this horse? Yeah, look, he's just had a few little issues uh, over the time. Uh, when he was a three-year-old, and he came back, and he had the one run as a three-year-old. Um, he ended up having some, some soreness in the knee and, and had to have a bit of time off after that. Uh, we gave him a really good break, and then... He'd also come back the next preparation and obviously had that first up run where he, he, he's only time he's ever hasn't finished, I, I think, in the first four. And he um, he pulled up that day and uh, and scoped up with a chondritis. And obviously uh, he had to, uh, had to have that lasered. He didn't have a surgery on it. He just had it lasered. And obviously had a bit of time off with that too. So, you know, he's a horse that, you know, we've never given him bigger long preps. He, um, you know, even though he's a ball, he, I think he likes to have his run spaced a little bit. Um, but, look, it's definitely... Um, the pa- owner's patients are definitely being rewarded now, that's for sure. Another horse that likes to have his run spaced is Scalapini. There's a beautiful new race there on Magic Millions Day, the Syndicate, and that's where you're headed with him? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's a race that uh, should suit him well. It's weight for age. Uh, for where his rating sits, he's definitely going to be one of those horses that's favoured under those conditions. And, mm. you know, there wouldn't be that many horses out there bar, you know, those syndicator horses that, uh, that would hold 20 owners or more. So, um Look, he's come back really nicely. Um, just started to do some galloping work now. He'll head uh, first up into Millions Day. Um, as you say, he's a horse that races well fresh and, and likes to have his run spaced a little bit. So, um, yeah, that'll be the target for him first up. And uh, and then we'll uh, possibly head back down to Melbourne again and give him a couple of runs down there again. Good on you, Steve. Good result yesterday. And look forward to you, you and Matt having a good summer. No worries at all. Thanks so much. There he is, Steve O'Day, joining us this morning. Breaking new ground on, <laughs> on past yes, the post. Right. And you'll leave me with it all to clear up once you've scooted <laughs> out of the door. <laughs>
<laughs> I can't blame you for that. No, no, but uh, obviously he was frank about what unfolded there at the uh, the, the sales. But um, I'm ple- I'm sure they're pleased that they did stretch the budget because, um, as I say, she's very valuable. And I, I, I think she's probably a better horse when she can sit off the speed. The circumstances Ooh. yesterday, like Chinny Boom wasn't as quick away as... Uh, probably people would have thought, so she ended up outside the lead, so I think she'd be a better filly when she can sit back she, and chase She's her. been a girlfriend to you, you've Ooh, always liked her. She's she's very, she's top of the pops at the moment, I can tell you. She, you've always liked her, and uh, no, good win there yesterday. Chitty Boom missed the start. Mm. Um, I don't know the circumstances behind it, but um, uh, everyone was thinking the one alley was gold. Mm. Sometimes they can miss it from the one, uh, yep. particularly if the starter's alongside of them. I don't know the circumstance. She then worked into a good spot. It wasn't a it wasn't a hot tempo. She tried hard, um, and she well, she wins in one more stride. Or put it this way, it was head up, head down. She was excellent. Now you look at the times: Garibaldi one ten seven, home in thirty four seventeen. These girls have run slightly quicker: one ten fifty two, and home in thirty four twenty seven. That's going to be a very strong form race. The third horse, David, start number two. The Ooh. market was just so rock solid on her, Sunshine in Paris, and she probably wins in another twenty five metres. Exactly, because she came from behind the other pair and was right on their heels when the judge called a halt. Now, I agree with you, a good form race. Well, talking about uh, times, we saw, we've, we've talked about Garibaldi, we've talked about Stroll. This next race runs quicker time than both of those, and it was won by Lubrication. Here's the replay. Spiritualizes getting it easily. He leads all that pizzazz running up to the turn. Jamelli in third. Johnny Rocker about to get on his bike and make a run. Then Lubrication, Cool and Ready, Northern Express, Count the Beans, Chikara, and roll up in the home straight, though. Spiritualized led the way from all that pizzazz. Johnny Rocker's being called upon. They haven't got Spiritualized as yet. Spiritualized below the 200. One, two with the shillelagh leads the way. Lubrication's running on strongly. Spiritualized all out now. Lubrication's got him on the outside. Count the Beans is flying home. Here's the post-lubrication. Big count the means and spiritualised. Johnny Rocker every chance in fourth. Then all that pizzazz, Northern Express, cool and ready. Chikara, Jamildi, and roll up last over the line in 110.06. Yes, 110.06, which was uh, considerably faster than what Garibaldi ran and what Stroll ran in the last. The man who puts the polish on lubrication is Matt Dunn. He joins us now on Past the Post. Matt, good morning. Morning, how are you? I'm well. Uh, I mentioned on radio yesterday morning that this horse shouldn't be a maiden. I thought he went out at a very big price. I didn't back him, unfortunately. But uh, as we know, two runs ago, uh, he gave an enterprise attack uh, an awful fright, and he's pretty well above average. Then, of course, he should have won a doom last time out. Yeah, I agree totally. Um, you know, he's uh, just, just through no, no bad management or anything like that, just, just through sheer probably bad luck. We got very away on the fence last night with the rail out at Durban, and... Um, it's always difficult to win from there, and he had to move horses, and you know he did a good job there. And hence the reason um, we decided to throw him in the deep end yesterday. Yeah, was that an, a, a difficult decision to make, rather than sort of try and just knock the maiden over at lesser grace? Yeah, it always is, isn't it? Because I mean, you run maidens in, in feature races, and most of the time you you get left looking like a complete goose when they get beaten. <laughs> but you know, we've we've had the opinion of him right through, and. The only thing that, that sort of in the back of my mind was this was probably always going to be his last run, his five runs in his first racing prep. Um, but, you know, he, he stood up to be counted yesterday. He was great. And, and the time, um, as David just mentioned, was um, was super good. So um guy's going to look for him when he comes back next prep. Yeah, so that, so, so that you pull up stumps after yesterday? Yeah, we will. I mean, 
in all reality, if he'd won his last start, we'd have probably stopped. Just wanted to get his maiden done before we did, um, and probably turned out good in the end. Fortuitous, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he he'll stop now. We'll, we'll sort of give him a break and not a long break, and sort of bring him back. I, I don't know what races we'll set him for just yet. I don't know how far he needs to go. But his pedigree suggests he'd probably get at least a mile. So um, we'll have a look at sort of autumn, winter, and um, and keep pushing forward with him. He's got good improvements still in him. We would have seen him in the yard. He's a lovely. Lovely big scopey horse that probably just needs to get a little bit stronger. He, he, he's dealing very well with being a colt, uh, which is important, given that he's, he's an expensive colt with a good pedigree. We'd like to leave him that way if we can. Um, and no, excited about him. He's a lovely horse. I find him to be a, a well-named horse, being out of work <laughs> drinks. Yeah, it's a ripper, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very good name. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so we've seen him up here on three occasions now, and he's uh, impressed every time. Those first two runs in Sydney are fifth of eight at Canterbury and a tenth of sixteen at Rose Hill. On paper, doesn't look that flashed. He was at, at big odds and beaten by big margins. Uh, did what, what? What happened? Those two runs, basically. Well, his first run, he probably didn't handle the, the ground. It was quite soft, probably softer than what the rating suggested. Had been arranged through the day. Second run, we decided to ride him for speed, which was an error because he's not a horse to be ridden that way, and he was sort of found waiting, found wanting late, um, and he did a fair bit of work early in that race as well. So, I suppose when you when you, you have the combination of those couple of things and and the strength of Sydney Racing when he was coming through trying to win his maiden, um, you know, every single race you go to is full of million dollar yearlings and. Um, and, and expensive, well-bred horses, and you know, to, to sort of not, not there's anything wrong with, with the, the opposition he met yesterday because he's, he's made going in against horses that won two and three, four races. But um, yeah, I think that's the combination. We made the decision to send him north, um, also to, to go to a, a midweek maiden where he's not taking on that, that calibre of horse. You know, you bump into things in Sydney and maidens and four starts later they're winning Group One races. So mm. um, yeah, we, we were trying to avoid that, but it ended up a much better a much better result than what we had anticipated, and perhaps those couple of runs, even though he was beaten, um, the fact that he was so competitive, maybe they just helped him build a little bit of confidence also, which is very important. You've had a bit of success at the Summer Carnival here in Queensland over the years, including on Magic Millions Day. Is there any in the team there that uh, might see you feature in January this year? Yeah, look, there's a few there. Um, Rainbow Connection ran well again at Rose Hill yesterday. There's, there's a few younger horses coming through. Um, we, we made the decision... Uh, uh, this week to, to close the Sydney stable um, and um, and move the team back up north. Um, there's, a, there's a few reasons for that. The main one is that we just can't get enough boxes in Sydney to compete. Um, that's nobody's fault. Uh, the ATC are doing their best to try to accommodate everybody, but uh, with 24 stables in Sydney, um, we, we don't have we don't have the, the scope to to increase size, and we don't have the scope to, to sort of move forward. So. It's a decision that had to be made, and you know we've sort of been two and a half years there now, and, and um, we've decided to sort of head in a different direction, um, back up north, and you know there's, there's a few options there moving forward towards the middle of next year, whether we, we set up another stable uh, somewhere across the border, I'm not sure yet, but um, certainly there's, there's plenty of options there for us, and I think um, as disappointing as it is, we, we've made that decision. I think it's the right one, um, and I think some of our better results with horses coming up from Sydney over the last month or so to Queensland uh, are evidence of that and I think it's the right direction to go so um, we'll be at full capacity back back in Moolumba, um in the next two weeks um, and hopefully as you say we'll, we'll have a strong summer carnival. Well you've shown that from that Moolumba base you can still win really good races from there so is it going to be nice to be back home again in a way? It is in a way. I mean, not nice. Um, you know, it's disappointing because you know we sort of put, put our, our hopes and dreams on 
on um, on getting a Sydney stable that could be competitive. But as I said, with the numbers, the numbers that you sort of hamstrung with 24 horses, it's just not going to happen. Particularly when you've got 18 of them as two-year-olds that are on race. So, um, but yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's nice to go home and um, you know, we, as you say, we, we've proven that we can we can train good winners out of Moolumba. That the tracks improved quite a bit over the last 12 months. They've, they've spent some money and got things um, up to scratch with lighting and, and track improvements, etc. So. Um, you know, we're, I mean, lubrication's evidence, isn't it? He's been there now for probably six weeks and, you know, he turned up as a maiden yesterday and won a list at race. So, um, full credit to the team at home and, and full credit to the Tweed River Jockey Club and, and hopefully, um, hopefully it all works out good. Actually, that's a good segue to end on. You talk about the Tweed River Jockey Club. My old mate Bernie Quinn, I see, has retired as the chairman or the president. Nearly 50 years he was the in uh, the lead role there at that club. I'd say the longest serving president in Australian racing history. Yeah, for sure, and, and I think that the, the things that um, that he's done for that club, um, everybody that, that's been heavily involved. I mean, I've only been there for sort of fifteen years. As people have been there, the double that and more, and, and you know, it wouldn't exist without him. And, that, and that's, that's sort of where it starts and ends. You know, he put his own in to keep the place afloat when when things were going pear shaped a number of times. And you know, without Bernie Quinn, there would be no Tweed River Jockey Club, and we probably wouldn't have an opportunity to put a stable there. So, um, full credit to him. He's done a wonderful job, and. Um, his son Damien's taken over yeah. as the chairman now, so um, you know the the, the baton's been passed on to the next generation, and I'm sure Damien will do just as good a job as what Bernie did. I'm sure he will. He's a wonderful bloke, Bernie Quinn. Good on you, Matt. Thanks for this morning. A pleasure. Thank you. There he is, Matt Dunn, joining us, and uh, so lubrication pulls up stumps, and Matt Dunn pulls up stumps from Sydney. Yeah, so it sounds like we'll see a lot more of him now here in, in South East Queensland. Interesting, he's looking at another option. Mm. Assuming this side of the border. Count de Beans was the sectional star of the day at the Dooman yesterday, running on from the back of the field to run second. Spiritual eyes, we've discussed him with Tony as well. He'll take benefit from that run. I thought Johnny Rocker was a little below what I expected of him. No, he was disappointing in the straight, mm. that's for sure. Um, didn't want to make an excuse, the, the softer ground possibly, but um, he was there, he travelled seemingly travelled well to the 600 and um, clearly outpointed by the first three. Well, let's turn our attention now to uh, two of the, the races that attracted a lot of attention yesterday, the country finals. We'll go firstly to the the country stampede. 16 runners break out of the 11 10-metre barriers with Scott Power calling the action. They come down past the 350 and straightening up. It's the tenor out by two lengths, Dakota of Arms. They're followed by Tempo in the centre. Bungarabee Lad joining in. Maurice Press searching for room. And they're followed by Dare to Chair down the outside, down inside the 150. They're all across the shop. Bungarabee Lad hit the lead. It's Bungarabee Lad in front, trying hard. Maurice Press the inside. Out wide a dynamic verse. They hit the line. Maybe dynamic verse. A tight go here. Maybe dynamic verse over Bungarabee Lad and Maurice Press. Attack a bill close up behind them. They're followed by Moschini and Coat of Arms. There, followed by Manidi, who was well back in the field, back along the inside tempo. Then came well back was early plea. There, followed by Dare to Share. The tenor well back with Awanichi, my best effort. There, followed by Splasher, Cochran, Hardstride, last of all. Dynamic verse was successful. Pat Webster, the winning trainer. He's on the line now. Pat, good morning. Morning, David. Congratulations. I want to make, before we talk about the horse and about you, I want to... We give a very, or more than an honourable mention to Ange Jones. This was an ice-cold ride. She was strung up in traffic, but she didn't lose her nerve or her cool and just guided him through late. It was a great ride. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, yeah, I don't know whether there's too many others that would have rode him as, as good as she did yesterday. Um, we've had a lot of luck with Ange, and um, I was really happy to have her on yesterday. 
You had two runners in the race. Obviously, coat of arms task was made difficult by the barrier. He sort of, you know, and then that sort of cost him in the end, didn't it? But um, the ride was certainly what Dynamic Verse needed, and it got you a great result and give you back-to-back wins in the race. Yeah, it was really good. Um, we actually thought, you know, coat of arms was probably the pick before the barrier draw, um, and I've, I think he raced. Uh, outstanding yesterday, mm. being beat only 2.2 from that alley, but um, and worked hard. But uh, dynamic verse, I, I give him a real good top five chance. Um, uh, I thought if he got the right run in the race, I didn't know whether he could cop a couple of checks in the straight and still win. But um, he he he, um, he certainly come through for us yesterday. Yeah, Pat, tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your background in racing. Oh, yeah, I was sort of born into racing. My grandfather was a, was an amateur jockey and a, and a trainer, and then my father was a full-time... He was a jockey and then a, a full-time trainer. And um, <clears throat> I just started training in the bush and, um, yeah, spent a lot of time... Oh, well, I grew up in St George. I spent a bit of time in Charleville. And, um, yeah, we just um, decided to have a go uh, full-time this year and moved down to Westbrook, just outside Toowoomba at Barham Stud and... Um, yeah, we've, we've sort of grown, grown to a... Yeah, we've got sort of 25 horses on the books and sort of 20 in work, so it's, it's going pretty good. David, I knew Pat when I was... My days in St George, I spent 18 months out there, and I think you were training a few back then, juggling that with um, playing footy on the weekends as well, mate. Yeah, yeah, I remember it well, Nathan, yeah. <laughs> we, we, used to, we used to play pretty hard, um, uh, play football and um, and have a few drinks and... I trained the horses as well as well as I was I was um I was probably an apprentice carpenter yeah. back then but yeah. um yeah so yeah no that very good very good times. I've got a Sir George story too. I went out there I think it was three years ago to call their their cup day meeting and I saw these colours these black and white checks and purple so they look like Chris Wallace colours. <laughs> <laughs> They're very close. Yeah. But yeah yeah no they are they actually belong to one of my owners from um, over in New South and. Um, yeah, I'm not real sure about the story of of how they how they come about, but um, no, they've been pretty successful for us. Certainly have. Uh, we were talking at the start of the show about the day yesterday. It had a great buzz to a great atmosphere, and for someone like yourself who's now training full time and only been training for a short time to win a race like this, it's a, it's great for your CV, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is, and um, a lot of our—I'd say ninety percent of my owners are, are country people. So um, it's really good, and um, just to see the group of people um, at the function upstairs, and um, you know, a lot of country people mingling together. I, I think it's just a great concept, and uh, we've been lucky enough to win it twice. But um, everyone, everyone that trains in the bush is striving to have a horse in these races. So um, yeah, it's well done, Racing Queensland. You spread the wings far and wide yesterday, so you would have been celebrating uh, Dynamic Versus success, and then the, the phone calls would have come in from from Gundy and, and Nanango saying that there was more good news. Yeah, yeah, no, we had a fair spread on them yesterday. Um, I, I had um, the staff; I was a bit <laughs> short on people to spread around, and um, we sort of had to take off after the after the race in Brisbane pretty quick yesterday, but um, uh, to get home and do the work, but. Um, yeah, we had a really good hour. So I think it's quarter past one to quarter past two. We had three winners, so it was pretty pretty good hour. We've talked about you. We've talked about Angel's right. Let's talk about the horse. This horse started with Nat McCall at the the Sunshine Coast. Uh, am I right in saying that one of the owners trained this horse for a couple of starts before you got it? 
Yeah, yeah, he had him for quite a few starts. Um, he went from uh, Nat McCall to Michael Morn, uh, who's a part owner. Um, um, I probably come about to get the horse. I've only had the horse for about a month or five weeks, and um, he he just raced below par uh, at a qualifier for the Stampede at Chinchilla, and Michael just rung and said, "Would I take him?" And um, because we have the <coughs> pretty good facilities here at Barham, we had the water walker and. Mm. Um, the treadmills and you know a good sand track, so um, we just juggled him around, mixed it up, and got his mind right, and he's he's come through. Pat, great to talk to you. Great to get to know you this morning, and for all our listeners as well, plenty more success hopefully in the uh, in the days, the months, and the years ahead. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, David. Thanks, Nathan. There he is, Pat Webster. Good story. He's a ripping, ripping good bloke and um, loves seeing him have success. He lost his his good horse, VJ Day, uh, at Roma a few weeks back, which was obviously a sad time for them because he'd been such a warrior over a long period of time for them. What did you do in St George? It was the journos. I ran the paper. I, I, I wrote the stories. I laid it out. I took the photos. I sold the ads. I wrote, wrote the ads. And the first week I was there, first I developed the film and the camera. And I did it one week only. And I said, there's got to be a better way and sort of worked out a way around that. But um, yeah, developed film and about half of them turned out. There were three pubs in St George. It was at least three. Yeah, and uh, one I ended up with was a good one. But I'll tell you one thing, it's pretty quiet on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest, uh, after you've done the trip around the town, don't stay for a few more hours. There's not a lot to do. But I had a great time there. On it's a very of- pretty town. The river runs right alongside the... Alongside the front there, it's um, had a really good time out there. I see one of the owners of Coat of Arms is Jay Vickers. I think he's the he was the president of St George, a young bloke who's got a, a good, sharp brain. Let, that was the, the uh, challenge. Let's go to the... No, that was the stampede. Let's go to the challenge now. And, look, uh, these races always look incredibly tough on paper. Putters came for two. Echo Point and Vanasta. You guessed it, first and second. They straighten up and come down past the 300 metre mark in the Country Cups Challenge. And on the inside, Centaur being taken on by Echo Point, who ran to the lead. Vanasta's into the clear. They're followed by No Innuendo and Bowl Kingston. They come down past the 150. It's Echo Point clear. Vanasta the second is trying hard. It's Echo Point in front, close to home. And Echo Point wins the Country Cups Challenge. It beat Vanasta, third Centaur. Then Bowl Kingston, let's talk a deal. Well back, Cappuccino, No Innuendo and Fast Train. They're followed by back in the field was Lord of Light. Well back in the field was uh, in the centre was Mr Vista then came Burden, well back was Nick the Skip, then Kiki Coco Package, Plate, last of all Bubba Tilly is big, or starting to get a bit of a habit of winning these races, of course he won on VJ Day Ray Williams now trains Echo Point started its career with Gay Wardhouse and Adrian Bott, came to Todd Austin Stable and in the last year wins at Barcaldon, Birdsville Longreach, Mackay, Yapoon, so it uh, testifies well as a, as a country cuddy yeah, and he, I guess that was where the form stood up, wasn't it? Because he's run it to Rocky and probably a better race last time was good. And you make the point about Bubba Tilly, he absolutely loves these mm. uh, these races and he loves winning them, as you, you saw there yesterday. Two of my colleagues sharing the ownership of Vanasta, Brett Moody and Jared Wessel. They were both there yesterday and she ran uh, the race of her life. Corey and Kylie Guerin have done a great job with her. Gary had the ride there yesterday. I think, David, there was some relief amongst racing Queensland tops when Vanasta didn't win because I think they had a better team of about 100 there that, uh, that partied pretty strongly the night before and they were sort of concerned as to where they might put them should the, uh, should the horse win. I'm sure spearheaded by Kobe O'Brien who does a good job too in, in racehorse ownership and syndication. They were the highlights from Dooman yesterday. As we said, we're quick, on a quick backup. We're at Dooman on Friday for the Brisbane Handicap. And then on Saturday at Eagle Farm, the Gateway, as we mentioned earlier, that's the four-year-old race with 
An automatic entry into the Stradbroke. The Callaway Gallon feeling ready. Will we see a star two-year-old appear? And, of course, uh, the Just Now as well. Let's take a break, come back with more on Past the Post. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Nathan Exelby. Yes, archerparkracing.com.au, the website to go to for all the news on Archer Park. Yielding sales just around the corner. You might want to be part of the ownership group with Archer Park. Uh, you can read on the website there all of the information, but also give Chris, Chris Wessel, uh, an email if you'd like to send him one, chris at archerparkracing.com.au. Find out what's happening over the next few months. And, of course, the great guns on the racing side of things as well. Golden Boom, Spiritualised, Count the Beans and Company. Let's go to Packetham yesterday. It was their Cup Day, and the Cup is the race we're going to listen to right now. 450 metres to go. It's Vegas Night by a length. Nobel Heights. Then came Sound, who stays on. Milford working into it. Kissinger to the outside. They look to be the chances. 300 to go, and Nobel Heights sprints for home. Nobel Heights two lengths. Vegas Night, Milford. And then Kissinger, who whacks away, still coming under the urgings of the great man. At the 150, Nobel Heights joined by Kissinger. Kissinger and Nobel Heights. Kissinger goes to the lead, and Damien Oliver wins another pack at him. Cup. Kissinger won at two lengths Noble Heights Vegas night. Photo fourth Sound or Milford. A gap fifth position Wycliffe. Then the awesome son and good idea has finished last. Former Kiwi uh, he wasn't um, an inexpensive purchase by connections uh, when he came over to Australia and he's really hitting his straps now getting up in distance and, and in form. Yeah, beaten in a benchmark 64 at uh, Sandown four starts back but um, he's just just taken good steps as he's got over these longer distances and um, shout out to Richard Morrison who's amongst oh, the uh, amongst the owners of Kissinger I think they refer to him as Henry how, how many horses is he in <laughs> every time there's something <laughs> R.H. Morrison good on you Richard congratulations but it's been it's well been well worth coming as well and David Otter of course another Packenham Cup win that's Kissinger let's have a listen to the other feature racer yesterday the gold bullion 400 metres to go. It's Imperial Lad with regards Marie. Peldoro three wide. Realiza down the middle of the track behind those horses. Looks like Elvis scrubbed along behind them and just needs to get a bit of room at this point. Plenty of hopes at the 200 metres. Peldoro took the front. Nicolini Vito over on the far side is running on hard. Peldoro and Nicolini Vito. Peldoro still in front and Peldoro is going to win it. Peldoro a half Nicolini Vito. Looks like Elvis third. Then Imperial Lad real Lisa regards Marie, drop the mic, Jimmy the Bear, Sunfall, and last Wicklow Town. Having a good campaign, Paldoro. They produced him. That's Kieran Maher and David Eustace first up at Cranbourne on their cup day. Got the job done and uh, graduated to a harder race yesterday and again successful. Yeah, five from 15 now, so he's definitely on an upward curve this preparation. Well, that's it. Yes. That's it. $3 million strap break. You're happy with that? Ecstatic. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing and... Um, Again, Racing Queensland to be congratulated. With the government, another $31 million Ooh. in prize money going across the, the three codes. Plenty to talk about for you tomorrow. New harness racing venue yeah, on the way. Exactly. Final, finally announced. But, uh, yes, you're right. Plenty to talk about on what's been a very positive week for Queensland racing. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, David. Nathan X will be joining me. He'll be with me right through the summer here on Past the Post. That's our program. Thanks for your company, most importantly. We always appreciate it. Thanks to Archer Park Racing as well. And I will join you tomorrow morning on Press Room. Plenty happening there. Until then, have a good day. Bye-bye.